Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Everybody who is a part of Team Biden is desperate to get you to believe that this economy is going great. I mean, they have to overcome a series of things, like, for example, Joe Biden's age. How come Biden's age matters and Trump's age doesn't? There's only a three-year difference. Well, within those three years, there seems to be a, a lot of examples of Trump being cogent and Joe Biden not. And sometimes things, they, they, they just fall into the psyche of America. And they're, they're, they're hard-baked in. With Joe Biden, that didn't happen until Joe Biden showed America that he wasn't okay. That he didn't know where he was going after a speech. That he needed to be directed by the Easter Bunny. That his wife was pulling him out of, of gaggles with the press. That his wife was speaking for him, trying to direct him. Preventing questions from being asked. Your wife, your spouse preventing questions being asked from you and you're the president of the United States? That is embarrassing stuff that shows uh, America that you're not really up for this. Now, this has led to a, a, a conversation that I understand and I would have accepted six months ago. I have a harder time with it today. It's the idea that Joe Biden will not be on the ballot. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Feel free, call in, we'd love to talk to you. I don't think that the people who are pushing this are wrong in the concept that the Democratic Party will do anything to win. If they feel Biden's not it, they will switch him out in a heartbeat. And they will gladly, joyfully, gleefully just skip right over Kamala Harris. <laughs> they know she's incompetent because she is. They know she's not bright because she's not. Every report is about how she makes life difficult in the White House. She won't take the job seriously. At any time she's ill-prepared, she blames everybody around her. But also comes a story about a new book coming out about Joe Biden, where the author says that Biden really fears looking foolish, looking dumb. So he really prepares for those interviews that he does. First of all, do you believe that Joe Biden is prepared? Do you believe at all that Joe Biden is prepared for any interview? Uh, no, 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 never mind that. If Joe Biden was worried about people viewing him as not bright. Is that why he picked Kamala Harris to be his running mate? Because that way he always looked like a guy who had his faculties? I mean, that, that, that's, that's certainly possible. Thin girls sometimes have fat friends. Uh, too, too soon? No, all of a sudden we're going to lie to each other? Sure, yeah, I won't do that, though. I will never lie to you, so help me. I will never lie to you. But one of the things that the administration keeps telling us is that Bidenomics is working. That the, the uh, economy 
is going just great and everything is fine. I mean, just like Joe Biden wants to tell you that he's, you know, he's, he's just he's just middle class Joe. Folks, all my time in public office, I've been referred to as middle class Joe. I guess they thought that was a, a, a somehow a, not very complimentary. Well, guess what? That's who I am. And doesn't mean you're not sophisticated because you're middle class. It means you've worked like hell and you know what your family has to work like hell to be able to make it. Well, I'm awful sophisticated sophisticated about one thing. I know who built this country. I've been saying this since I ran the first time. Let me say it loud and clear. Wall Street didn't build America. The middle class built America and unions built the middle class. (laughs) That's That's a good cough right there at the end. Just middle class Joe. Middle class Joe who's building an economy from the middle out. I don't I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But all but the entire administration, their entire job is to convince you that this economy is going great. Never mind that they have to worry about the whole age thing. They can't get past the economy thing. But it is remarkable to see the number of people who are desperate to try and tell you that the economy is great. And I have got the way to prove to you the number of people trying to do this. Sometimes it takes a montage to get everything done. This right here, just all the ways you need to know that this economy is super peachy keen. Bidenomics, um, polls consistently show that a majority of the American people disapprove of the president's handling of the economy. Eviction filing rates are soaring 50% higher than they were before the pandemic. Over half of Americans earning a six-figure salary report that they're actually living paycheck to paycheck. Tens and tens of millions of people are struggling to put food on the table. The number of homeless people on the streets and in shelters across the U.S. increased significantly this year. Biden trying to rev up his uh, economic vision for America, but a lot of people aren't buying it because they can't literally buy anything. I'm so sick of how expensive everything is. I don't know how anyone else is surviving out here. I guess uh, some people had a lot to say right there. I guess that's uh, not a group of people talking about how great this economy is. It's a non-stop roll up the hill for this Biden administration and none of it connects. Absolutely none of it connects. But why do they keep doing it? Why do they keep doing it? Why does CNBC, why does MSNBC, why does CNN keep giving us these these people who want to tell us that, that things are just fine? Why do they continue saying this? And the answer is, well, this is what happens when they hate you. This is what happens when they hate you, as a matter of fact, when they hate you and they can't make the first conversation stick, they look for a second conversation. This was on uh, Fox News with Charles Payne. Uh, the Democratic strategist is named Laura Fink. 
Catch this one. I think one of the challenges is that Republicans have put nothing on offer except tax cuts for the wealthy as their solution to all of the challenges that we are discussing and all of the frustrations that Americans are feeling right now. And so what what one person may see as a rejection of Bidenomics, actually, when you look at the alternative and you see absolutely nothing coming out of that debate uh, this past week. Let me just just jump in for one second, though, because. Let's hold up there, Charles Payne. You know, I appreciate the man. Bidenomics works because the Republican Party doesn't have anything different. That's a maddening proposition. How about drilling? How about making sure we've got some level of energy independence, energy security, energy dominance, however you like to say the term? How about we don't stop people from engaging in energy and we make it cheap and abundant and available to bring down costs? The the Republicans don't have anything to compete with it is ridiculous it's not a spin it's insane and it's a great example of this belief that they can just say something enough to make it true because they're trying to bake in that this economy is strong but they can't they can never get over the hump and they are infuriated that it's been baked in that biden is an old man What they can't accept is that they couldn't get you to do what they wanted. Biden is young and and has great vitality, and the economy is great. This is what they expect you to say. They expect you to look at reality and say, nope, I'm going to go in the other direction. They are 180 degrees opposite of the truth, opposite of the facts, opposite of reality, and opposite of the American people. 180 degrees. And they keep on doing it. They keep on doing it. That's a lot of hate. A tremendous amount. And this economy, this is going to affect how this election goes. Which makes me say, even again, even again, that the issues in in polling is not about, you know, there was that Trump-Biden poll. They're each at 46% in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, That's not about Trump doing well. That's about how poorly Biden is doing. And I am stunned and shocked and, like, amazed that Republican candidates aren't talking more about this. I am stunned by it. This was uh, CNN, I think, this morning, proving my point about they'll say anything. In politics. But one of the things that I think the Biden team really needs to do in, the, in as you talk about this decoupling yeah. is say the good economy that you're experiencing, even if you have some concerns about it, is also aligned with good governance. That's what we do. That's what Biden-Harris has done and will continue to do. What good economy and what good governance? They don't stop. They don't quit. And there's CNN to give this guy just carte blanche on that. You see how much they hate you. You see that they're willing to say anything. And even though it doesn't connect, they keep doing it. So, only thing I know. The only thing I can say for sure regarding uh, this is that Republicans are not doing enough to talk about it. 
I mean, it's one thing to pull a, a, a Mike Pence here and say, you know, nobody's buying Bidenomics. Now you've got another guest coming on, and the Biden administration's trying to make a case that Bidenomics is working, uh, but but nobody's buying Bidenomics. You know, I was in Iowa this week, and I told people, you know, inflation's at a 40-year high, mortgage rates are at a 22-year high, two out of three Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, Bidenomics has been a failure for American families. Just the data, baby. Just keep hitting, hitting, hitting the data. The Biden team believes and Democrats believe and the news media believes that they can just lie their way through. It hasn't connected, but they're going to keep at it. Republicans should be countering very strongly with data. And they should be noting how much the political left hates Americans by lying to them that somehow things are great. I'm Tony Katz. President Biden is outrageously busy. So busy that he cannot make it to East Palestine. That's in Ohio. Train derailment. You remember you saw pictures and the devastation. Can't make it there. Maui, no problem. Florida, no problem. Uh, but, But East Palestine, no. He's busy. His, his uh, schedule is, is jam-packed. Uh, I mean, if he's not vacationing in Delaware, he's vacationing in Lake Tahoe. And if he's not in Lake Tahoe or Delaware, he's in someplace else in Delaware. You know, he's got multiple homes there. He's very busy. You know what? Maybe you shouldn't be paying attention to where he is. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything I do at TonyKatz.com. I'd greatly appreciate it if you did. Um, Look, uh, I... Can't imagine that not going to East Palestine has been helpful. But I do question the idea of going. Why does everybody always need to go everywhere? Does it matter if Biden went to Maui? Did it matter if Biden went to Florida? If there is a disaster, do you need to see the president or do you need to see the dollars flowing in and the government getting out of your way so you can rebuild? Which, which do you need to see? Because I argue that I don't need to see anybody. I don't care if I see them or not. Just get me what I need and get out of the way. Nothing more, nothing less. But when you go to Maui and you insult the people of Maui by talking about your little house fire that wasn't a house fire, when you go to Florida and again act the fool in the middle of their devastation, when... You are welcoming back the bodies of those who were killed because of your blunders in Afghanistan, and you're checking your watch. Um, I mean, these are the things that make people say, maybe it would have been better off if you didn't show up at all. Maybe it would be better if you were not here. And I, I, I think for, for Biden, he's better off not going. Nothing, no good can come of him going to East Palestine. But the, the, the whole Maui question, why don't we know what happened? It's a question that you and I have discussed. Are, are there still children missing? How many? Children were left home as parents went to work because the power was out. And the 
the fires were started from arcing power lines because the power company failed to handle the situation properly. And even when the fire department thought it was out, it wasn't. That can happen. Then you had the governor, Josh Green, and others try and blame climate change for the reason for the wildfires. When, of course, you had an emergency management director in Maui who had no experience. You had people in water management who decided water should be given based on equity, not based on where the fires are. And a police chief who was the incident commander for the Route 91 Harvest Festival shooting in Vegas. Now the police chief in Maui who had blockaded the only paved road out of Lahaina. I cannot make this up. The question is... How many people are dead in Maui? Why don't we know about these kids? You had a thousand missing people. I don't know how many people are missing today. You can't find numbers. You cannot find the numbers. Why don't we know? And why is it that media isn't asking? This is a question that DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, asked the the, the 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 media, you know, everyone's got a question for him. What's going on in Florida? You just want to attack the guy for being a presidential candidate. Where are the children in Lahaina? And why is it that ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, and CNN, even Fox, don't give a damn? Maybe we should care. It's a it's a great question of of. This is what this is what it means for the media to 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 move things, to to run a narrative, try and make you forget. Why think about East Palestine when you can think about Maui? Maui, speaking of, where are the children? My God, look at the terrible job DeSantis has done in Florida. Is it coordinated to an extent? But it's purposeful, and they all have the same purpose, and that's why it plays this way. There's a story of Eric Swalwell, the congressman from California, who was a ridiculous fool and a leftist. He said he was flying back early from a London security event to see his one-year-old in the ER. You wouldn't wish anybody's one-year-old's in the ER. And how does he continue? Spent ride to Heathrow navigating insurance companies and hospitals to find the right care. When dropped curbside, the driver said to me, that was absolutely shocking to hear. We have NHS. No one does this in UK. You mean the congressman? hears that his one-year-old is in the hospital, in the ER. He heads to the airport, and what he's doing is like, how do I spin this to be really good for socialized medicine and more government intervention? How do I keep moving a narrative? How do I keep moving a story? That's all that matters. Don't talk about East Palestine. Talk about Maui. Don't talk about Maui. Talk about Florida. Keep moving. These people tell you what. I'm Tony Katz. It seems that Bill Maher has been on a tear lately. He has been just just going to town in ways where you're like, yes, I agree with you. Yes, that's the problem with liberalism. Yes, it has changed fundamentally. No, it is not about being a Democrat. These progressives are communists. My God, what is it that they're thinking? And so much so that Bill Maher has started sounding like me to the point where I really am convinced that he 
is listening to the show. He's 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 not. There's just no way he is. But he's saying some things that clearly make you say, "Oh yeah, he is." Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on, my people? 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Find everything at tonycats.com. Bill Maher, this was the story over at Fox News. He's talking to Joe Rogan. I've got some audio of it that I'm going to share with you. He's on, I think he's on Joe Rogan's uh, show, Joe Rogan Experience. Um, what I think uh, Bill Maher's podcast is Club Random or something like that. Um, and he's talking about liberals being more reasonable back in the day before they became uh, leftists. Well, that's 100% accurate because to have been a liberal back in the day is just to have a different philosophy of how to get to a place that's better. A leftist, by today's standard, is a communist. Now, I understand I get pushback when I say that. The problem is, is that it's accurate. And that's why I get pushback. There is no conversation that when you see a college campus and you see people on these campuses completely opposed to the idea of free speech, thinking it's okay to shout people down and disagree with them, who think it's okay to be violent when people are saying things that you don't like. These people are totalitarians. They are authoritarians, authoritarians. There's only one way to think. There's only one way to act. There's only one idea to have, and you have to have it. Otherwise, you're the enemy. Those are communists who are preaching the idea that the state comes before the mind. They are what they are, and they're, they're all over campuses all across the country. They walk on as freshmen, and then they decide that they know better than the, than the professors. And the professors allow this because they are like-minded and they figure they're not going to get in the way of anybody. They'll keep getting paid, and they'll have tenure, and nothing will happen to them, and that's good. The professors don't stand up to the students. The professors don't teach the students, hey, I got an idea. You sit there, shut your damn mouth and learn something because you don't know crap, child. You're an 18-year-old snot-nosed punk who doesn't know a holy damn thing. And oh, your genitalia doesn't prove you to have an intellect. Sit there and be quiet. Oh, you have a certain skin color? Sit there and be quiet. Oh, you have a certain identity? Sit down, shut up, be quiet and learn the math. Oh, and the math is not racist. Two plus two is four. If professors did that, we'd be in a much better place. But professors don't do that. And this is what we get because the professors are all indoctrinated. Certainly not all, but far too many are indoctrinated in this idea of permanent revolution and things like that. And they want to see the continued degradation of the West. Somehow they believe that the utopia will come. This is why they are referred to throughout history as useful idiots, because they, 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 they are. So here's what Bill Maher says. They believe race is first and foremost the thing you should always see everywhere, which I find interesting because that used to be the position of the Ku Klux Klan. I have been saying that for a long time now. You've heard me discuss it on the show. We've had this conversation, guys. That when you see the left talking about race, when you see the bigotry from the left, when you see their desire uh, to make race front and center, you realize there's no difference between them and the KKK. There's nothing. It's, it's freaky. It's gross. It's weird. 
Then Amar had this conversation regarding murder in uh, Chicago and other places. Now, this is going to get very touchy racially. If you know me at all, you know that I don't avoid these subjects in the slightest. I don't know why I would. I have no idea why I would ever avoid any of these subjects. These things matter, and they matter greatly. We're having an honest conversation. The problem is, well, I'll I'll get to the problem. I'll, I'll I'll give you a hint. You think it's racial. No, wait, they think it's racial. I don't actually think it is. Listen. Liberalism was never uh, shoplifting as progressive. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we we weren't interested in legalizing uh, shoplifting, or as I, I guess we should call it justice shopping. But, you know, in Minnesota, for example, I think it was Minneapolis, after the George Floyd murder and the riots, I think there was... Uh, a movement to disband a lot of the police, and they did. I think a lot of the police were let go, or somehow the police force was was a lesser force than it was. And what happened was, of course, crime went up in certain areas, and a lot of the officers who had been fired or let go or quit or for whatever reason they weren't on the force anymore, they were hired as private security. By who? The rich people who could afford to do it. So their neighborhood stayed safe. Uh, so that wasn't exactly, I thought, a victory for liberalism. No. no, not a victory for anyone. It wasn't a victory for elitism, though, which so many of these people see themselves as. They believe that their rules should apply to you, but their rules may or may not apply to them depending on what the rule is and what else is going on. Always remember when they want to make rules, like, for example, we should have an extra tax on cigarettes. That'll really change people's habits. Well, that's a tax on poor people. Cigarette taxes are a tax on poor people to change their behavior because they can't afford the tax on the cigarettes. The tax, of course, being punitive. We should have a tax on red meat because red meat isn't good for you. It doesn't stop the rich person from having steak. It stops the poor person from getting the proper calories and nutrition to their children. That's what it does. We need to have a tax on, on, on soda. So you can still get a big gulp, but that guy can't afford the big gulp. So only certain people get the opportunities. That is abusive. That is bigotry. That is hatred. I'm disgusted by that stuff. And yes, you see all these people screaming defund while they live in a gated community. All these members of Congress screaming defund while they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on their private security. Well, we're being threatened. Neighborhoods are being burnt down. Businesses are being burnt down. They're not being threatened. The people in Minneapolis don't matter when the riot is on their street. But you've got a riot on January 6th. It's the most important thing that has ever happened in the history of America or the world ever. I think that if you were in Minneapolis and uh, you lost your, 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 your restaurant, your, your hair salon, uh, I think that was pretty important to you, more important than what happened on January 6th. So Bill Maher is making, of course, sense here, and we've all seen this, and we find that this is uh, ugly and, and a great example of progressive elitism. But it continues. No, it's the opposite. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Austin defunded the police and then refunded it. 
and refunded it by far more mm. than they defunded it because they just course corrected. They went, okay, this is not working. We have to do something to fix it, which makes me very happy because I was really shocked that they wanted to do that because there's a lot of crime. And where my club is on 6th Street, that's a wild place. 6th Street gets wild. And there's a lot of crime there and there's there's a good police presence there and we have a lot of police at the club We hire off-duty cops uh, to work the club and a lot of security We want to make it as safe as possible, but this the streets in the city like You know from pandemic on it's just it's not good you know? And this is of course the story everywhere Every major city, every Democrat-run city is having this exact problem. The cities are violent. The cities are in horrible shape. The cities are dangerous. And Austin, UT, it's a party town. If you've never been on 6th Street, it's good. It is, I have spent many a time, South by Southwest, Iron Cactus, I have done the thing. It's a damn good time. Damn good. But every city is more and more violent every single day. Every single day. You saw the video of the guy trying to break into the jewelry store in, in Los Angeles. And the owners literally beat him with a stick. And then he got, the guy's shirt got ripped off. And here's this big fat guy running down the street after trying to use a hammer to, to, to break uh, the, the display cases. I have no doubt that the DA in L.A., Gascon, is going to try and bring charges against the shop owners for fighting back for not allowing the theft to happen. So now we have multiple places of agreement. And remember, uh, Rogan is not a, a a conservative. I would say he's more on, on the left, but he's not a, a, a leftist. He's trying to play things rationally. Uh, trying. He doesn't always succeed. Trying. But wait for it. You now it's it's sketchy. And I'm glad they recognized it and did something. Well. Because so many places just aren't course correcting. Chicago. Yeah. I, I mean, not. Not just the places where, I mean, uh, murders have been happening way out of control in Chicago uh, among the African-American community for far too long and not really reported in the same way, in the way that they should be. It, right. It's amazing how uh, black lives don't seem to matter when they're taken by black lives. Right. Uh, but, but, I mean, now Chicago... My friends who live there say it's not safe anywhere. Yeah, it's now. Black lives don't seem to matter when they're taken by black lives. You have heard this before. You have said this before. You've seen this posted before, and you agree with it. What if I were to tell you that's not the case? What if I introduce a different idea? And I would have this conversation with Bill Maher. Um, I, I find I have a connection to Bill Maher, and and so. You talk about how you get better at what it is that you do. I was doing a video series years ago with a group called PJTV. And I forget what Bill Maher said, but on camera, I'm screaming at Bill Maher. Screaming near top of my lungs, screaming. Why am I screaming? It was years later. I'm like, why am I approaching things like this? This does not help anybody. There, there's no way Bill Mark's ever going to talk to me if he sees this video. And I want to share with him why I think he's wrong. What am I screaming for like a lunatic? This is not working for me. This is not how I want to be. Who wants to be this angry and sound this crazy? Rather, I want to rationally engage the subject. So 
I'm doing it now, and I would love to speak to Bill Maher about um, We should reach out. I don't think he'd do the interview, but I, I wish he would. I'd, I'd fly him out to Indianapolis to, to sit down and have a cigar and do the interview. Um, it is not that when a black person takes a black life, it doesn't get discussed. Because it actually has nothing to do with the idea of quote-unquote black-on-black crime. And maybe he would agree with me on this. The lack of reporting, the lack of conversation, the lack of it being a front and center subject is because it doesn't fit anybody's narrative. Because the idea that it's black on black crime isn't true. It is liberal crime. It is progressive policy crime. It is progressive culture crime. That's what it is. If you take a look at the looting, you take a look at the shoplifting, and yes, there are definitely white people who do these things. There's also a tremendous number of black people in the videos that you and I see that do these things. Why is that happening? Well, it's happening because you have prosecutors who don't prosecute and there's no uh, ramifications. It's happening because an entire generation was told by progressives that you deserve something and taking from these people is a victimless crime. Taking from these people is just what they deserve. They've been profiting off of you for forever. That is a progressive philosophy, not a black philosophy because I can point you to a million black conservatives or uh, people who are agnostic and black who are like, wait a second, I don't believe in any of that. And they all get lumped in with this idea of, well, the black community, black America. None of that is true. Everything that you see is about progressive America and progressive policies and progressive culture. That's what it is. It isn't black on black crime. It is progressive crime that doesn't see the color of the person in front of them. They see that person as someone getting in the way of what is theirs. And to be taken by force, to have no regard for the rule of law. Again, progressives. Now, if you say to me, well, what happens when they go and attack somebody who's white? Oh, there is no doubt that there are, as if the FBI is going to call them hate crimes, I'll call them hate crimes, even though I don't believe in hate crimes. Hate crimes that happen all over the place where the victim is, is white and that's why they're the victim. 100%, that's true. Fact, undeniable stuff. So you would you would then ask well then if if if, if okay we can rationalize why why a, a black criminal is going after a white person some kind of progressive justice thing right then why would a black person commit a crime against another black person I thought that was the thing that they were uh, against because you're seeing them as color of skin, believing that everybody thinks the same. You have to take a look at the mind and the mind is progressive culture and progressive culture says you get what's yours and nobody's allowed to get in your way. You earn it, you deserve it. Anybody who tries to stop you, they're the enemy. Remember, black people can be racist too. The whole concept of black people can be racist too is the idea of condoning the violence that one commits because after all, they're an oppressor and they deserve it. So Bill Maher and Joe Rogan having this conversation is very important. There's my twist. Let me know what you think on social media, X at Tony Katz. You can find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz today. 
It's a dead heat between Trump and Biden. 46% to 46% according to that latest poll on NBC. And it's people are going to say to me, see, Tony, see, Trump can beat Biden in a general election. I'm here to tell you that I am not convinced. I am convinced that most people on that debate stage can beat Biden. I am also convinced that people are disgusted with Biden. The 46 to 46 does not say to me, look how strong Trump is in a general. It says to me, look how weak Joe Biden is every day. I have a different view of the thing. If Trump's the nominee, I'm going to vote for him. I just don't know if Trump's going to be the nominee. And I don't know if he should be the nominee. And I am concerned that he can't win a general election. Because it gives the Democrats something to rally around. I just don't know if that's the way we want to fight. What if we want to fight differently? That's my conversation. But that polling? Fascinating stuff that the Democrats hate. This is Tony Katz today. Today.